Hello and welcome to Tarot Bites. I'm Teresa Reed, the Tarot Lady. I'm the author of the Tarot Coloring Book and your host for this podcast series. This is episode 108 of Tarot Bites, the podcast where I dish out short, entertaining, bite-sized lessons on how to read tarot. And for today's episode, our topic is Tarot for Inner Work. And my special guest is Kate Fisher of Daily Tarot Girl. Welcome, Kate. Hello, Teresa. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for joining me today. I am excited to discuss this topic with you. Yes, I know. I am too. This is one of my favorite topics to to talk about, so I'm excited to I'm excited to be here. Well, you know, I think when most people think about tarot, they always think of it as divination. But mm-hmm. as you and I know, is that tarot can be used for a lot of other things. So let's talk about how tarot can be used for self-exploration. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, I think that tarot has so many different uses, but my favorite way to use tarot is to really explore the self, especially exploring the secret, hidden parts of ourselves that we may not be totally aware of. And I like to think of tarot cards as being like, almost like portals or doorways into this secret self and how we look at a tarot card and the things that we notice on a card and um, the way that we interpret that card can all give us some clues as to what's going on with us kind of beneath the surface. And there's this idea that part of who we are remains hidden, even, even to us. And there's different ways of thinking of that part of the self. So you could think of that as like the unconscious self or the subconscious, or your shadow self, or even your higher self is, you know, an aspect of yourself that you may not be fully aware of. And whenever we study the tarot, I find that it's it's almost impossible to study tarot cards without also simultaneously studying the self and discovering things about the self. And... Um, yeah, that's just kind of, in a nutshell, what I'm going to talk about. <laughs> and So you mentioned that most of us have parts of ourselves that we hide away from yeah. ourselves and that we're not always conscious of it. You know, how can you use tarot to uncover those parts? I mean, what is the method for doing this? Yeah, okay, so I've got some of my favorite, my favorite techniques for doing this. So um, the first thing is to pay attention to the cards that you really don't like. Um, So the cards that you have a really negative reaction to. And what's surprising about this is this may not be the typically, you know, negative kind of cards. Like, for example, I cannot stand the justice card. I really don't like this card. And not everyone feels that way about the justice card. Some people really like this card. Um, So noticing, you know, what, what cards do you have this kind of reaction to when you see them? And those cards, the cards that we don't like, can often represent parts of our shadow self or the the parts of ourselves that we maybe cannot accept. Or it could also represent something that you're very much afraid of, that you don't want to to face. Um, So when I did this with the Justice card, um, I, I mean, the first step is to to look at the card you don't like and ask yourself, you know, what is it about this card that you don't like? So for me with the Justice card, I just felt like she seemed very cold and uncaring and serious and 
kind of mean or, or just kind of hard and cold. And so then I, I thought, okay, am I like this in any way? Is there a part of me that is cold and uncaring? And, and there totally is. Like I, I have this side of myself that's like super um, kind of bitchy and kind of detached. And when I realized that, it, it helped me kind of discover something about myself and it also kind of helped me um, understand the justice card a little bit better. So that's just one one technique for doing this. Mm-hmm. The other thing you can do is, uh, well, actually, before I move on to the next one, I'm curious, Teresa, what, what cards do you not like? Well, one card that I really don't like is the Eight of Swords. Because okay. I, and I always say it's my Gemini thing, I hate that feeling of being constricted or trapped. Right. So it really yeah. feels suffocating to me when I look at that card. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And is that... Is that something that you experience a lot in day-to-day life? or It's been no. a theme in my life, always feeling like I'm getting stuck, I'm getting trapped, um, someone's trying to control the situation, you know, right. so that. And I think a lot of that comes from, you know, my childhood, I had very oppressive parents. And I lived in a rural area, and I couldn't wait to escape it. So that's something that's always, like, right underneath the surface, even though, of course, I've escaped and I'm not living in a rural area and no one's telling me what to do, but that energy is still there, that fear. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. And what would you say is your, like, what are, what's your favorite card? The sun. The sun. Mm, I love the sun. Yeah. That's such a beautiful card. That's such a, like, happy, glowing, positive card. And it's so my, different from the Eight of Swords because the Eight of Swords, she's all constricted and it's gray, and here he's naked as a jaybird and doing his yeah. thing. You know, it's the opposite. And if you even look at, like, the body language of the people on those cards, like, Eight of Swords is, yeah, tied up and constricted, and the sun, there's, like, open arms. Yeah, it's, like, completely opposite. Um, my favorite card is the star. Mm. I love the star, and... I love the star because it's so calm <laughs> and it's very, it's just a peaceful, quiet kind of card. And so whatever your favorite card is can symbolize what you want more of in your life mm-hmm. um, or, or even what might be lacking. Like I find I'm so drawn to the star card because it's this card of hope and peace. And I find a lot of times that's what's lacking in my life. I want, I need more hope and faith and, and peace in my life. Um, so yeah, so the, the, your favorite card can, can indicate like what you're wanting more of, but it can also indicate um, some of your, what I would call like your higher self gifts and talents, things that you came to, to this earth to express and explore. So in my case, I feel like part of part of what I'm doing here is learning how to be peaceful and learning how to calm myself down and and kind of deal with anxiety and stress mm. and stuff like that. And for you, maybe I'm just like making this up. I'm just going out on a limb. But maybe for you, the sun is about like you're bringing kind of that energy to the planet, that happy, like positive, radiant kind of energy. Mm-hmm. I would have to say I agree with that. And, you know, I find really fascinating right now in our conversation. So the figure in the Justice card, if you're using the Rider-Waite-Smith deck, which is the one I usually tend to stick with, I mean, the figure almost looks like the same person in the star. And 
you know, they're both doing a balancing act. One is balancing the scales. The other one is trying to balance these two vessels of water. So I find right. that really fascinating because it is, it's like almost like the figure in the justice takes her clothes off and says, hey, I'm going to juggle something else here. And huh. it's, what I also find fascinating is that the card that we're both drawn to are cards with naked figures. Right. Yes. Yeah. And I feel like we could have a whole conversation around just what you and I are doing here with these things. Why are we choosing the ones that are naked? Perhaps uh-huh. there's something here about liberation that is really drawing us. Uh-huh. And actually, that's one of the things I love about the star is that she's naked. And there's this like feeling of freedom and kind of casting off things and just being authentic and being just totally free in who you are. And maybe that's what you like about the sun, too. I don't yeah. know. And think about this, too, if we're like just using us here as examples. If we look at the justice also in the Eight of Swords, they both have that energy of um, getting justice and going to prison. It's like the energy feels like that with both of these cards. Um, uh-huh. I look at it as, uh, if we're just, again, using us as examples here, justice is being meted out, it's not fair, and now here I am, and I'm Eight of Swords, I'm stuck in prison, whereas... The star and the sun are like, we're free. Yes. Yeah, that's interesting. I never noticed the similarities between justice and the star before. Yeah. It's just so weird. I don't know why. I didn't notice that so often. Thanks for pointing yeah. that out. They, just, they look like the same gal, but she just decided, like, you know, yeah. screw this. I'm, I'm chucking this formal stuff, and I'm going to, like, be groovy now. Yeah, and I mean, that's a cool thing to do, too, is just comparing the cards, mm-hmm. the the one card you don't like and the one card you do like, and seeing how they're different and how they're so similar. Let's do another card, too. Another card that I don't like is the Five of Pentacles. Yes. And so I love using examples, because I think that really helps people to learn. Uh-huh. And, uh-huh. you know, the Five of Pentacles, to me, is it's a bummer card. I mean, these guys are like... They're poor, they look unhealthy, they look sick, they look like they're on the outside, no one's letting them in. You know, it's mm. really one of those cards when it comes up, it's like, oh, great, this feels like a right. bummer. So that's right. a card I don't like. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about the Five of Pentacles is, or any card really, it doesn't have to be the Five of Pentacles, but everyone looks at a tarot card a little bit differently and yes. notices different things. So you're saying, like, you look at that card and you notice... The, the poverty, the suffering, et cetera. Um, and that's what I notice too when I look at that card. But I've had some people look at that card and say like, oh, like this card is about companionship because there's two people, they're supporting each other, they're together. Um, and there's that glowing church window in the background. So that means that help is there. Um, so it's interesting, I think, how you know different people will weave a different narrative with each card. And I think... That's another kind of tool where you can um, notice things about yourself, just like how, you know, what spin are you putting on on this particular card? Yeah, and that's a, that can open up, if you're working with a client, a really fascinating discussion. If you bring out a card or they see a card and they recoil, and let's say they don't like it, they get the five of pentacles and they're like, oh, my God, this is terrible. Uh, you mm-hmm. can start a whole dialogue around that, and I think that's a great way to start uncovering things that are going on, maybe perhaps underneath the surface. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I also find it helpful to pay attention to the cards that, um, I want to say, like the cards that just kind of confuse you, so not necessarily the cards that you like or dislike, but the ones that you 
get and you're just like, oh, I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> and and I, I know when like I was learning, like, you know, 90% of the cards felt like that to me. But now that I've been working with the cards for a while, there's still a couple cards that are like this. And one, one of them is Justice. Mm-hmm. Um, the, other, the other one for a long time was the Seven of Swords. And whenever I got the Seven of Swords, and it seemed like this was the card that was always coming up for me, too, in readings, <laughs> in readings I did for myself and for other people. And that's a whole other topic, too, and, like, paying attention to the cards that keep showing up again and again. But I would get this card all the time in my readings, and I just didn't really know what to make of it. Like, it just, and I, and I you know, I had my tarot books, I would look up the meaning, but it still never really made sense to me. Mm-hmm. And... uh and then I kind of explored the card and I realized, you know, the, when, you, when you look at the Seven of Swords, it's this guy who looks like he's sneaking off and it looks like he's maybe stealing a bunch of swords. And in the background, there's like a camp and there's like these people all kind of huddled, um, you know, really far in the background of that card. You really have to strain to see it, but it looks like there's people kind of in a circle and he's sneaking off. And it was this theme, really, of, like, not being part of the group, mm-hmm. like, being separate from the group. And and it made me think of how I often feel like I don't fit in, like I don't have a group or a tribe. And so from there, I was able to kind of explore that whole theme of being feeling like an outcast and and not feeling connected to people. And that kind of was an interesting path to go down. <laughs> it was an interesting thing to explore. And then once I did that, I had a better understanding of that card. Right. You know, one of the things I like to do when there's a card that really confuses you is to what I call embody the card. Like, mm-hmm. go and be that card. Go and be it and see what that feels like. Um, and now, of course, it doesn't mean when you get the devil card, you need to go out there and do something really evil. But, you know, if you <laughs> see the card, you don't get it. What is the devil all about? It's, again, about sometimes feeling really stuck in a situation. So mm-hmm. really go and explore that. Do something where you're going to feel really stuck. And oftentimes something like exercise can be a great way to embody <laughs> that. Do an exercise you really hate. Do a yoga pose where you just feel stuck, you can't move. Mm-hmm. How does that feel? How does it feel to embody that? I think that is a great way to, you know, really figure out how to move along with these cards that don't make sense for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So are there any particular and... – oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, it's okay. Go ahead. I was going to ask you if there are any particular spreads that you recommend um, other than just, you know, picking the ones that are speaking to you or that you don't get. Is there like a particular spread you like to do for um, inner work? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, No. So I just tend to kind of make spreads up as I go. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't have like, no, I don't have a particular spread that I use for doing that, but that makes me think I need to create one. <laughs> I'm going to write myself a note. I need to create a spread for this, this I think, topic. I think some people are really looking for, you know, like a spread, like a framework. So that'd be awesome. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to do that and I'll send it to you once I, once I've created it. Um, another thing I wanted to mention is I think it's also important to pay attention to the cards that fascinate us. Mm-hmm. And for me, the most fascinating card in the tarot is the High Priestess. Mm. I know, what card fascinates you? Well, the High Priestess is a card that's always fascinated me, too. 
Um, yeah. You know, so I totally agree with that one. But also the Eight of Wands is always fascinating for me. And the reason why yeah. is because there's no figures in this card. It's just these sticks flying through the air. Why? Yes. What's that all about? Yeah. The Eight of Wands is such a weird card for that reason. Yeah. And I often get kind of tripped up on it because, yeah, there's just these, yeah, these eight sticks. And it's like, where are they going? Where are they coming from? Who's doing that? Like, what is going on there? Yeah, so that's a very fascinating card for me. It's like you have no idea what the heck is going on here. So why does the high priestess um, fascinate you? And what does that tell you about yourself? She's such a mysterious character. and, And I think that the cards that fascinate us kind of give us a little bit of a hint as to what we need to explore and what we need to learn more about. So for her, she rep, to me, she represents the mysterious parts of myself and the mysterious parts of life and like intuition and psychic abilities and dreams and all that kind of stuff. And so for me, that the message there is that that's something that I need to explore and, and do. And I think in your case, with the aid of with the Eight of Wands, I'm trying to think how that could represent something you need to explore. I mean, the, the Eight of Wands, I guess how you describe it, is just such a a mysterious card. Like, it's mm-hmm. like the, the card that represents, like, asking kind of, you know, what, why, how, where, those kinds of questions. Yeah, and, you know, I'm, I'm such a Gemini. I'm really curious and nosy. I always want to know why something's happening. <laughs> why? You know, I even like to know yeah. what are my own motives for doing things? Why am I doing these things? And so yeah. I often find myself questioning, you know, why people do certain things, but also why I'm doing certain things. Uh-huh. Part of uh-huh. my mindfulness practice. Yeah, yeah. I like that you say that you're nosy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so nosy. I love, love knowing everything. You know, and I get weird things like one day I woke up in the middle of the night and thought, gee, I wonder how bowling balls are made. And I had to get up and get out of bed and study the whole thing to figure it out, which is really weird, but um, that's... I guess very eight of wands. You know, you don't think about the bowling ball until you go and try to discover what it's about. Who made it? Who came up with this, you know? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And why? (laughs) So let me ask you this, too. Um, You mentioned shadow work. I would love, I love this topic. Uh, In fact, my friend uh, Shaheen Miro and I have written a whole book about it. How do you feel tarot helps with shadow work? I think it's interesting stuff. Yes. Oh, I I love shadow work too. I find it one of the most fascinating topics. Um, And I think, I mean, just when you look at a tarot deck, you know, there's cards that are really happy and sunshiny. And then there's cards that are really kind of terrifying to ponder, like the tower and the devil and death and, you know, all those kinds of cards, the ten of swords. Um, And so I think that in some respects, just noticing you know, the, the the images and the cards that really provoke almost a fearful kind of response, those can be catalysts to explore that part of yourself. Because I think our fears, you know, what we're afraid of um, can be a big part of shadow work. And, and then, of course, shadow, shadow work is also, you know, the parts of yourself that you have a hard time looking at or acknowledging. <laughs> um, and, or even just, you know, the things that you don't, like you know especially like the things you don't like about certain cards can be um kind of a jumping off point to exploring those parts of yourself and i think really when we do shadow work it's it's one way that we can become 
whole and, and have a better understanding of ourselves. And, and I think that by doing shadow work, we're less likely to be blindsided by things or even less likely to be manipulated by things. Like recently I've become completely utterly obsessed with cults and watching documentaries on cults, reading books about cults. And I'm really obsessed with kind of the process that happens when people get totally brainwashed by cults. And, and really, I think we're all kind of susceptible to this to a certain degree. And I think it has to do with the fact that we all have these very basic human needs, like the need to feel accepted and the need for community and the need to maybe believe in something. And oftentimes we aren't really aware of this. And so I think anything that you're not aware of can kind of in a way can be considered part of the shadow self, something that you're not aware of. And I think when we're not aware of these things, it makes us vulnerable. It makes you vulnerable to manipulation. It makes you vulnerable to all kinds of things. And so I think that's why shadow work is so important. It's interesting that you mentioned that because I'm obsessed with those cult documentaries too. I've always been. Oh, really? Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. Anything that comes out about Jim Jones, I always have to watch it, even though I know the story inside and out. Um, But it's so utterly fascinating. How do you get to that point? You know, how do you get to that point? Or even like with the Charles Manson thing, which wasn't really totally a cult, but how do you get convinced to go and kill for some dude? I just find that very, very interesting. Uh-huh. It is. Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. So the last thing I'd like to ask you is I think a lot of people come to tarot, you know, they do want to do some of this inner work too, but people often want to know about their life purpose, which I think mm-hmm. is really deep stuff. How yeah. might tarot help you to discover what your life purpose is? I mean, we're talking about discovering the hidden parts of yourself. We're talking mm-hmm. about you know, um, the shadow work, but what about life purpose? What are your thoughts mm-hmm. on that? I love that topic. That's one of my favorite topics. And that's what got me into tarot. Cause I was in this time in my life where I was struggling to find my life purpose. And that is one topic I, I have a lot of spreads for mm-hmm. <laughs> discovering your life purpose. Um, so for me, I think like just the act of learning tarot and exploring tarot also helped me explore myself and and get into that kind of willing to learn, being open, exploring things. And I think that's kind of the mindset you need to be in to contemplate life purpose. Because I think in order to understand your life purpose or to discover it, you need to be open-minded because I think we're so locked into um, how we think about life purpose. Like I think a lot of us think it's got to be a career, Mm-hmm. or, you know, it's got to be this or that. And so I think the first step in discovering your life purpose is really just kind of loosening some of your ideas or ideals around what you think life purpose is and how it's, you know, what it's supposed to look like. Um, but how does tarot help with that? Huh. Um, I know for me, like just doing multiple readings where I asked, you know, what is my life purpose? And, you know, I draw a few cards and just contemplate those cards in that context. And just starting to do that would, would you know, it would give me something to journal about. It would give me something to explore. And you start to, to notice, you know, what things feel right, which things spark your interest, what things get you excited. 
I don't know if that really answers your question or not. <laughs> I think it, I think it does because I think we're getting back again to the whole idea of inquiry. That you mm-hmm. can get these cards, you can journal about them, and start asking yourself those questions. And you know, the questions are what lead to the answers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I think oftentimes we don't ask the questions. So I think tarot can be uh, a wonderful tool for doing inquiry. And I think inquiry is the step towards doing all this great inner work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's what I love about tarot um, is that it does kind of set us up. It helps us get to that place of inquiry and and asking questions. And I think that's the one thing that people sometimes kind of forget about when they first discover tarot, because I think most of us are so fixated on this idea of tarot being about divination. Right. Um, And and then sometimes we forget that it's also this tool of, of exploration. Yeah, I think we we get hung up on looking to somebody to give us the answers when in reality Mm -hmm. all the answers are within ourselves. And Mm -hmm. when we start doing inquiry work, whether it be through meditation, whether it be through journaling, whether it be through sitting with the tarot card and asking yourself, what is this image telling me about myself? I think that really takes us down a delicious path and it's a path of great spiritual growth. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Mm -hmm. Well, this has been a a great conversation, Kate, and I want to thank you for taking time to talk about this with me today. Yes, thank you, Teresa. I've loved chatting with you, especially about cults. Yes, oh my God, we could do a lot of talk. (laughs) We could do a lot of talk on that. I mean, it it really is a fascinating subject, and I think, you know, that really shows the shadow side of humanity. Oh, yes, it really does. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, whether you're the cult leader or you're the follower, there's a shadow mm-hmm. on both sides of those. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I could talk for hours about cults in my theories on it. <laughs> yeah, I've got a lot of theories about that too. And and maybe that'll have to be another show in the future because, you know, there's thinking about things like groupthink and leadership and these kinds of archetypes because mm-hmm. they're archetypes too. And again, absolutely. that's a way for us to really uncover things about ourselves. Uh What does it feel Uh like when you're a follower? What does it feel like when you're a leader? When you're a leader, do you want to lead people down a good path? Does your good path then, could that turn into something negative? I mean, there's so much richness to explore in those archetypes. Yeah, Yeah, there is. And I I come across this, like you asked the question, you know, what, uh, how do you feel about being a leader? And one thing I hate about doing professional tarot readings is every now and then I'll get a client who I know is just looking for me to give them the answers and to tell them what to do. Mm-hmm. And that makes me feel so uncomfortable and I just want to run away. And so I don't know if that means I will never be a cult leader or does it mean that I was a cult leader in a past life and I, <laughs> and I have this aversion to, to having power and control. I don't know, but yeah, interesting stuff. It's really great stuff to explore. I mean, we could again, we could go on and on about this topic too. This is stuff to really explore. We should all I think we should always be exploring. And I understand what you mean about I like to say with clients, tarot is not a passive art. It's not like the cards are just saying, "Hey, here's your future. Now go kick back mm-hmm. and it's all going to just work <laughs> out for you or it's all going to be difficult." You know, you I always say you have a choice in the matter. The cards show the patterns, the potential, the possibilities, the possibilities for trouble. But it's not passive. You're not just going to lay back and have life happen to you. You have a big role in it. Your life, a lot of it has to do with decisions that you're making or how you're reacting to things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 
so not passive at all, and people who just want someone to say this is what you should or shouldn't do or this is what's going to happen, they're they're not showing up as present for the reading, and then they're not able to get as much out of it. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I agree, for sure. Anyhow, we could go on and on and on, but we have to wrap this up. People, um, where can they find you, Kate? Um, so my website is dailytarotgirl.com. All right, guys, so I will tell you to get to her world. Um, you're going to learn a lot. She's got a lot of great things going on at her site. And, um, yeah, so make sure you get there. And that wraps up this episode of Tarot Bites. You can check out lots more tarot goodness on my website, thetarolady.com. I've got free introductory classes for tarot newbies, the tarot coloring book, hundreds of blog posts, astrological forecasts, and lots of other good things for you to scope out and enjoy. I want to thank you again for listening, and I hope you have a beautiful day. And hey, if you enjoyed this podcast, take a moment to leave a kind review on iTunes because that will help more tarot-curious people find their way to Tarot Bites. And as always, I love to close out by saying, pay close attention to your intuition throughout your day. And let it guide you into making brave, excellent choices. Remember that you are always in the driver's seat of your life. You are in charge of your decisions, your plans, the action steps that you take or don't take. You're the boss. And if you don't like where your life is headed right now, you can change that. Nothing is ever fixed in stone. The tarot cards tell a story, but you write the ending.